Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mom, would you please stand up? And let's celebrate these moms um, by clapping for them. Um, and if you feel comfortable, um, if you know the mom beside you, if you will lay your hand on them or hold their hand while we pray for them, um, we just want to thank God and pray for the moms that we know. Dear Lord, um, we thank you for the moms in this room. I pray for your grace for us. I pray for us to bear each other's burdens and to support and encourage our fellow moms. I pray that you will give us wisdom for the stages that we are in. I pray for moms of adult children, um, help them to adjust to their new role in their children's lives. I pray for moms of um, young children um, and school-aged children just to give them patience and joy in the moments with their kids. I pray for moms um, who are struggling to become moms that you will just encourage their hearts. I pray for grieving moms today. Please give them manna grace and comfort. I thank you for the spiritual moms um, that help us raise our children and help raise us. We love you, and um, just thank you for these moms. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the gift of being a mother, for we know that that gift comes directly from you. We're nurturers at heart, and the bond of love that we have for our child is strong and deep, just as your love is for us. Being a mom is rewarding and fulfilling, but we also realize it's not always easy, and it can be exhausting at times. We walk alongside of you to encourage and support one another. Father, I especially lift up to you young women who may be here and may be struggling with infertility or wanting to adopt. I know firsthand, as I was one of those young women many years ago, and I wanted desperately, so desperately to be a mom, but couldn't. After a season of tears and prayers, you blessed us through the adoption process with a beautiful daughter. I want to offer them hope and join with them in prayer, helping them to realize you not only hear our prayers or listen, but you also answer. And my heart also goes out today for mothers and grandmothers who have done their best to bring up their child or their grandchild to know you, to do what is right, but still have that child turn away. I pray that they'll never give up and entrust that child to you. For you alone know the right timing and what it's going to take to draw that child back to yourself. Place a hedge of protection around those children and protect them from the evil one. You are an awesome God and a wonderful Heavenly Father and have truly blessed us with the privilege of being moms. Thank you for letting us be such an important part of your plan. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, moms. Say, moms are a special breed, huh? Yeah? I would not want to be a mom. I'll be honest with you. I've seen what they go through. I've seen what they do. You know, it would be a completely different world if it was men to fend for themselves. Could you imagine? No. Someone said no. No. So I saw some cards yesterday, day before, and I was looking through cards, and someone said, this is what it'd be. This, this This is with mom. This is without mom. And it was like the out mom, without mom on the side was just like chaos. I'm like, I don't know if it'd be chaos. 
It might be fun. Sorry, that was, that was maybe the wrong choice of words. Um, so this is, first of all, I'm not Joe. Joe's out of town. He's out of, actually out of country. He'll be back tomorrow. Is that right, tomorrow? He'll be back tomorrow, late, and then um, he'll be here next week. We're going to talk about it next week a little bit later. Um, but next week, just think about we are, we are going to be having one service at 10.30 here and then a picnic afterwards. I'll remind us at the end. So this is the actual fourth year without my mom. Uh, my mom went to heaven um, a little over four years ago. So, you know, Mother's Day is different. I don't have anybody to call. Um, we, she lived in Cincinnati, so I'd call her or send her some flowers and stuff like that. But I do have another mom, my mother-in-law, who is an incredible mom. Um, she's one of the, and I'll probably, I'll hit through when we talk about being, um, God being guided, because God has truly guided and helped guide me through her. Um, she was more like a, a spiritual mom. So I heard a story um, not too long ago about a guy that he gave his mother-in-law for Mother's Day. He gave her a grave site and a headstone for Mother's Day. It's an interesting Mother's Day present, right? He said, I, I love you, so here you go. And she thought, well, maybe I'm just being, maybe he's just being thoughtful for my planning, my future, all that stuff. And so next year, he didn't get her anything. He got her nothing. And she thought, this is rude. This is weird. I didn't get anything. Last year, I got something very odd. But I so then the, then the next year, she didn't get anything either. And so she's like, yo, um, you gave me this a couple years ago. That was just odd, but you gave it to me. It's a present. Next two years, you haven't given me anything. And the son-in-law said, well, you haven't used the gift I gave you three years ago yet. I'm not sure. That, I, I toyed with the, between that one and another, and another, another um, joke, but that got better. That, that got, ah, oh, I like that. But I shouldn't say it because my, my mother-in-law is the best. So if you don't have a great mother-in-law, um, you need to work on the relationship. Because if you want to know how to work on a great mother-in-law, talk to me. Um, I just been, I've been blessed. So Joe called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be out of country. How would you like to do mother? How would you like to speak on Mother's Day? I said, that's fine. So as I'm, as I'm praying through this, I'm praying what's... I mean, there's so many great mothers in the Bible. There's so many great um, verses to talk about mothers. There's, you know, Proverbs 31. There's, there's all sorts of different mothers in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as I'm praying through it, you know, God kind of led me to the book of Ruth. And yet Ruth is a mom. But what really touched me was, as I read through, was how much Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, had influence on everything in the family. Everything that Ruth did, Naomi was, was behind. And every man worth the salt knows has a great woman behind him, right? You know that, that women help shape us and help guide us through all different things. So what we're going to do in, in the next hour or two is we're going to go through... We're gonna, Joe said I didn't have that. Um, we're going to go through... We're going to do excerpts through the book of Ruth, but we're going to look at through the eyes of Naomi, right? So if you have your Bibles handy, if you open up to Ruth, most of the verses we're going to be touching on from Ruth will not be on the screen. 
Some other verses will be, but not, uh, not from Ruth. But as we look at this, as we think about our lives, as we think of Ruth as a journey and legacy, how many of us 15, 20, 30 years ago thought you'd be right here? How many planned to be here 30 years ago? Exactly, right? Our, our, what, we, what we plan and what God's, God's desire or God's real plan for us might be completely different. So that, so that slide. So that's our plan at the top, right? We know what our plan is. We got this, this, this. And God's plan is a little bit different. Amen. But God's plan is better, right? If I were to plan, if I were to plan out my life, I wouldn't be here. I'd be somewhere where my hometown. I would have joined the Navy, gotten out of that, gone to around my hometown. But then I wouldn't be having shrimp and grits, right? I, would, I wouldn't be out shrimping on, on, on a weekend sometime. I wouldn't have this nice, warm, humid days. I wouldn't have all these fun things. So God has a plan for each one. God has that legacy. And we're going to kind of unfold that, unpack that through the eyes and through um, Ruth's, Ruth and Naomi's life. So let me just let me do a little background real quick. So Naomi and Elimelech live in Bethlehem. There's a famine. They move to Moab. I'm not judging them. They probably, I'm not sure if they should have gone to Moab or not. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying the Bible says they went to Moab. They had two sons, uh, Chilion and Malon, uh, Chilion and uh, Malon, and they went with them. They get over there. They're working. They're doing whatever they can. Elimelech, Ruth, um, Naomi's, hus- uh, Naomi's husband dies. Just the two kids left. Malon and Chilion, just the two kids. They get, they get married to Ruth and Orpah. Now, Ruth and Orpah are not um, Israelites. They are Moabites. They, now, that is definitely not a, a, a bad thing. That is definitely a, a boo-boo. They should not have done that. But they did. And God, in his incredible goodness and wonderfulness and hope, uses a Moabitess in the lineage of Jesus. If you want to know about that, look in Matthew chapter 1. Uses the lineage, and we'll talk about that toward the end. But through this hard time, Malon, Chilion, Elimelech, they have died, and then then they hear that the famine has subsided in Bethlehem. So Naomi says, let's go back. She takes her daughters... She calls them her daughters. I love that. She never says, my daughter-in-laws. She never says, hey, Ruth, hey, Orpah. She calls them my daughters. I love that. So in your family, when you have a daughter-in-law, son-in-law, you should call them daughters and sons. You should treat them like family. Treat them like family. So they decide to go back. And Naomi tries to comfort them. Naomi tries to comfort them by saying, listen, you two are still young. Why don't you go back to Moab and marry and they're like, no, we want to go with you. We love you. We care for you. And she says, no. Naomi says, you need to just go back. I'm too old. I can't have another kids, right? So sooner or later, you're going to want to get married. And I can't support that. I can't help you with that. So Orpah says, okay, I get that. I'm going back to my family. She goes back to her family. But Ruth does not. So Naomi's trying to comfort them by helping them. But look in, in Ruth chapter 1. Verses, start in verse 15. I think 16, 17 on the board. But I want to start in verse 15. Then she said, behold, this is, this is um, 
Now, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth says, this is Ruth trying to comfort her mother-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do to me and worse, if anything, but death parts you and me. As we're looking at this, and we kind of, as I'm reading, I'm going, why do, so, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why did this happen to Naomi and Ruth and Orpah and, and their husbands? Why did this happen? You know, why did God allow us? I think there's a couple answers, and, and this is just from God's point of view. Sometimes our circumstances, what we do, what we've done, gets us into trouble. Some people like to say, well, the devil made me do it. This happened because of it. I think sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. I'm not sure if this would have happened, if all these deaths would have happened, if they would have stayed in Jerusalem. They might have because there was a famine. We don't know that. I say that to say when things happen to us, bad, it could be nothing, it doesn't have to be really bad, it could be a um, loss of a job, it could be just a bump in the road, but sometimes we just need to check ourselves, don't we? We need to do self-evaluation and go, did I bring this on myself? I remember when I went back to college, it wasn't too many years ago, I was in college and the prayer was, God help me remember the things I didn't study, right? That's a terrible prayer. That's a terrible prayer, right? If you're in high school, that's a terrible prayer. Don't pray, Lord, help me remember things I didn't study. No. God, help me to study so I can do good on my test, right? God, God, there's a part that we have to do this. So there's a part, if you fail a test and you didn't study, you're going, God, you got it. You, 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 I failed. God had nothing to do with that. So sometimes, too, we have to look at our own circumstances. Sometimes suffering comes from our circumstances. Um, you know what? Sometimes things just happen. We live in a fallen, fallen, uh, fallen world. Matthew 45 uh, B says, For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. That doesn't mean God's not in it. God can help us through those bad times. God can help us through those. So Naomi was trying to comfort Ruth, and then Ruth was trying to comfort Naomi through these words. You know, when we go through times of hard, it, it, I hate to call it suffering all the time, because sometimes it's just a bump in the road. Sometimes it's just a, a hurdle we got to get over. Sometimes it's truly suffering. We need family members, not just family members, but family members. You, you with me? All of us? We're here to help people get through things. We're here. Um, years ago, during, during um, the Purpose Driven Life, there's a verse in there. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you my reaction, because I wasn't happy with this verse. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also are 
Comfort is abundance, abundant through Christ. When I read that, I was... Upset isn't the good word. It was just kind of disappointed. Knowing that I may have to go through some type of hurt, pain, something in order to help someone else out. I mean, I thought to God, like, that doesn't seem fair, right? I may have to get blah, blah, blah. So five, six, seven years down the road, I can help someone else out. Well, that doesn't seem right. But if God's ultimate plan is always reconciliation, that makes sense. If I've been, if I'm, if I'm a divorced man, and I'm going, I've gone through a painful divorce, who better to minister to somebody going through a painful divorce than someone that's been through there, right? If I've lost a child, who better to help somebody else out than someone that's lost a child? So these painful, these things that hurt in our life, please don't hold them in. They're there to be used by the body of Christ. They're there for all of us to be used for. So don't just go, well, I'm too much, it's too much painful. Help. Because that's what God's called. We're supposed to comfort those that, because God comforts us. Some of our responses for, being, for going through hard times, we could become numb. We could run from God, but the best thing to do is when you've come through a hard, painful situation, whatever that is, run to God. Run to God. It may sound, you may think that God's doing this to you. Even at the end of chapter one, Naomi says, God did this to me. Don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She's blaming God. But through this whole time, she's blaming God. She's going and doing what she should be doing. She's going back home. She's helping her daughter-in-law out. So even though she's upset and pain, she's going through this and she's helping her daughters, her, her daughter-in-law through this. To, to live a life of, of a future of legacy, we can't see what's ahead of us, but God knows what's there. All we can do is put one foot in front of the other each and every day. All we can do is continue in the things that God has asked us to do. To pray, to read, to worship, to be his hands and feet. But God knows the end result. We can't see it. But God had a great future for Naomi and through her pain and through her faith as she lived it out, God showed himself through her journey in legacy, but God comforts us. God comforts us through this hard time. So allow God to comfort. Allow God to comfort you through. Help others to comfort them. Know that today is not the only day. There's tomorrow. Comfort those who you know and help them, no matter what the different pain it is, just help them through that. So God comforts us. Number two, God, God's guidance. We see God's guidance. As we look at God's guidance, we need to not look with our own, our regular physical eyes. We need to look at our spiritual eyes, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. That's hard to do. Because when you're in the middle of something, whatever that is, it's hard to even look past tomorrow, the next day, or next week. It's hard to go, yep, I know God's got this. I can't wait for the end. Because you're living in it. You're living in it. And that makes it difficult. 
I'm sure when, when Naomi and Ruth and all were coming back, they knew that when they got back to Bethlehem, they were two widows. They had no... You, back then it was more of a patriarchal society, so you had to have a man to help you through because that's just how it was. They didn't have that. They just had two women. Very unsafe for them. And a hard, I could imagine it would be very hard for them to go, yay God, this, everything's going great. I know you got this. It'd be very hard. So when you're going through that time, just know that God's got you. So let's look at some of the verses through the next chap couple chapters about how God has, how God guides Naomi and, how, and through Naomi, God guides Ruth. Look at verse 1. This is just kind of, I love this verse because it, it says a whole lot, but it's just kind of an introductory verse. It says, now Naomi had a kinsman, kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, the family of Elimelech, which is Naomi's husband, whose name was Boaz, which probably means that Boaz could have been much older than Ruth. We don't know that for sure, but it looks like Elimelech, more, maybe cousins, could he actually be brothers, not sure, but probably just cousins. Um, but if he's a family of Elimelech, probably older than Ruth, which will play down in, in the next few minutes as we go through this. Verse 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she's asking for this. Uh, this she's asking to, for Naomi to give her oversight, guidance, or just approval of what she's doing. Because she's an older lady. She's a mentor, maybe. She's her mother-in-law. She's kind of like saying, hey, you mind if I go? She's like, of course, go. Now, as we look through this, look at verse 8. She goes there. She gleans a little bit. The, the reapers, the people that are actually gleaning, um, are talking to her. They make discussion. Um, they talk to Boaz. Boaz asks who this woman is in verse 8. Then Boaz says to Ruth, Boaz comes to Ruth, the owner of the field, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. And then we find out later in verse 11, why was Bo Boaz so good to Ruth? Boaz replied to her, All you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. Boaz was good to Ruth because Ruth was good to Naomi. You see how that works? That's awesome. I love that he's heard this. He knows she's a Moabitess. She's not, in, is, she's not an Israelite. And this woman, who they should not even be together, is being good to Naomi. And in turn, Boaz, who, uh, this is my thought, Boaz kind of knows what's going on. Because Boaz knows the whole, Boaz knows the, uh, the Levite vow. We'll talk about just a minute. The Levite marriage vow. We'll talk about in just a minute. But he knows that. He knows that he is a relative of Naomi. He knows all this. But Ruth, I don't think, knows this fully yet. But he's kind to her because she's kind to Naomi. So he's given her guidance. God has given her guidance through this. But go down to verse 19 now. So Naomi's out there. He's, she's gleaning. Not Naomi. Ruth is out there gleaning. She's getting all this, this food, all this stuff for Naomi. Now back then, how they worked for, how they helped with um, people, poor people that didn't have anything. 
you could go out and glean what they called it behind the reaper. So the people would come, they would take the sheaves and they'd reap through the the corn or the barley or the wheat, whatever it was, and they would leave some behind and the people would come behind them that didn't have any money or didn't have fields and pick it up behind them. So Ruth is coming up behind the reapers and taking up all this stuff. Now Boaz has already given them, given his reapers uh, to tell them not to touch Ruth and to leave clumps of um, barley and stuff behind for her. So he's treating her extra special. And then Ruth goes home, verse 19. So she went back to Naomi. Her mother-in-law then said, where did you glean today and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she worked and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. She gets it. Now listen, Ruth didn't just happen upon a field. In God's providence, God sent Ruth to Boaz's field. You see that? I don't usually believe in coincidences. I believe in God's providential care for his, his family. And on this time, somehow, through God's eternal grace and mercy, got her to Ruth's, got her to Naomi's kinsman redeemer. Now, kinsman redeemer is an interesting, uh, some of the older versions of scripture will say kinsman redeemer. This is the New American Standard. It says one of our closest relatives. This kinsman redeemer, this, this closest relative, I'm sorry, Kinsman Redeemer, I think I'm saying that too fast, is a close male relative that could redeem or buy back family members sold into slavery. So someone had to be sold into slavery because they didn't have money. This person could redeem them back. They could buy them out of slavery. They could buy land back which was needed to be sold under very harsh circumstances. I think that's what's going on here. I think when... Um, Naomi and Elimelech left with their kids. I think they sold their property to buy property in Moab, or at least to finance the trip. So at this point, the, the closest redeemer or the kinsman redeemer could buy back that property. Or number three, they could, the fam, they could buy back the family virtue of the Levite marriage. The Levite marriage covenant is kind of interesting. It's, it's something that would be very odd for us today. A woman, a man and woman get married. The man dies. The woman is without the husband and is without a child. So no husband, no child. The closest relative to that woman would marry her in order to produce an offspring for that lineage of that man to continue. Does that make sense? So that's what they would do. That was, that was part of their culture back then. But that culture had to be done by the closest living relative or in succession, however they did that. So we're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes because they're going to go through this whole succession. But you see how God's guiding them? I love, I just love watching how God guides people. Then we see the movie um, Unplanned. Unplanned. If y'all didn't see the movie Unplanned with Abby Johnson, please go watch it. I'm not sure if it's out anymore. If it's not, it's on DVD probably shortly. Um, so unplanned. It's about a lady who was in charge of an abortion clinic 
Planned Parenthood Clinic. But it's really cool because as Linda and I watched this, you could see how God worked through the circumstances and through maybe a pastor speaking, maybe her husband speaking, maybe her mom and dad speaking. You could see how God was working through and in her life to get her to a point where she said, I can no longer run this parenthood, planned parenthood clinic and now I'm pro-life. I'm out there trying to get um, babies born that, were, that would normally be aborted. It's an amazing story. But I love watching how God works in and through people's life. Now, again, when you're in it, it's hard to see it. When you're on the outside, it's sometimes easier to see. And when, you're on the, when you've gone through it, then it's even easier to see. But right now, Ruth and Naomi are going through it. Look at verse 3. Um, chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi... Her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, I love love the way she calls her my daughter. Um, Shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? So by guiding Ruth, by providing security for her, not only did Ruth want to provide comfort and guidance, but she also wanted to provide this this stability, this security, this something that you need, you needed more back then than you do now. She needed to have a secure life. Where God guides, he provides. God is guiding them. He is providing for them. As you go through this a little bit longer, verse 6. Well, just stay right there. So he's talking about, she's talking about Boaz, is their kingdom redeemer. Okay, so in order to get, I don't know how this worked. I just know that somehow in the mind of God, they, those two need to be, those two need to get together. Ruth and Boaz and Naomi was a key factor. So through the, the laws and the, all the um, customs of the Israelites, which Ruth didn't know, but Naomi did. So Naomi is giving her guidance going, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go. Tomorrow night, they're, they're, having a, they're working at the, at the barley harvest. You're going to go there. You're going to look nice after Boaz is eaten, after he's drinking, after everything's gone. gone he's going to lay down. When he lays down, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uncover his feet and lay at his feet. That's just weird. <laughs> you know, I looked, up, I looked up, I don't know how many commentaries looked at it, like, why uncover the feet? Do you know, every, almost every place I looked, they just skipped that verse. Like, we don't know. Uh, my thought is, they uncovered the feet so he would wake up. I shouldn't add anything in there, but that's what I'm thinking. So he goes in there, she goes in there, she does exactly what Ruth says. So she listens to Ruth. So Boaz eats. He's done all that. Um, he lays down. Verse 8, happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled, because his feet were un- uncovered, I think. And bent forward, and behold, a woman was laying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth, your maid. So spread, and it's, this, is, this is very interesting. Listen to this. She said, she said, I'm Ruth. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. That word spread over means also put your wing over. It's, it's just a, she's actually asking him to marry her. She's saying, I need protection. Will you protect me? That was pretty bold back then. I mean, it's bold now for a woman to ask a man to marry him. Probably not so much. But it's pretty bold back then. 
But I love it. But what I love about it is Naomi said, hey, Ruth, this is, we need to, this is how we have to proceed. And Ruth goes, okay. And she just did it. And obviously, Boaz understood what was going on. He understood. And he said, um, verse 10, then he said, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness, talking about what she just did, to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask for all my people in the city. Know that you are a woman of excellence. I love that, a woman of excellence. He says, now it's true that I am a close relative. However, there is a closer relative than I. So, two things. I love that, I love that he is understanding what's going on. He's not a normal man and he gets it, right? Some of us men take a couple times to get it. There's a whole lot less laughter than I thought there would be. So she tells him what to do. He goes, I got this. He goes, I understand what you're saying. I want to protect you. I want to be your kinsman. But he goes, but there's one closer. There's one closer. And ultimately he says, if he will redeem you, then good. That's the proper way to do it. But if not, I will redeem you. So we see God's, we see God's guidance through that. And I love how all this, through this guidance and toward the end, you'll see all this guidance. God's going to get the glory. So when you're going through your life and you're allowing God to guide you, God gets all the glory. If I do it, then who gets the glory? I do. Not that great. But if I listen and allow God to guide me, God gets the glory so much better. So much better. Look at John 16, 13. should be on the board. said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And when he will disclose to you what is to come. So they didn't have the Holy Spirit then. We have the Holy Spirit now. How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in your everyday life? You know, I'm talking about just, the, just when hard times come. Because this is actually a good thing, right? This, this is a basically a marriage proposal. It's a good thing. But how are you allowing the God to the Holy Spirit to guide you? Are you allowing him to guide you through your job discussions? Are you, to your family discussions? To your, where you're, where you're going? Now, obviously, maybe for dinner might be a little bit of a stretch. I think he just wants you to eat. But how are you allowing him to guide you through your everyday life? Are you just going, are you just waiting for something to happen and then asking him? And I think it's easy sometimes when life goes well that we don't always ask God for guidance, right? Things are going well. We kind of go, okay, God, thanks. I got this. And God's like, oh, you don't have this. Just talk to me. Because I want to guide you into something even better. Sometimes we settle for good when God's got something better because this is our choice and God's choice is up here. So allow him to guide you through all these different times. Allow the Spirit to guide you. But as, as we see God's comfort and God's guidance, look at this. We're going to see, how God's, we're gonna see God's legacy. I love this because it's not, it's not my legacy. Now, it's interesting. I love this word legacy. Um, a couple years ago, God kind of drilled this into my head. I don't even know why. It just kind of came up over and over again. And my thoughts, my readings, things were just about legacy. Um, so Linda and I are new grandparents. Five months, five months, right? Five months. Um, we have a little granddaughter. 
That puts life into perspective a whole lot more than it does just kids, right? Because when you have kids, you got baseball games and, and school, and you, you got a lot going on, also going everywhere, right? So, but when you have kids, the grandkids, it kinda, I kind of stepped back and kind of said, okay, this is cool. I should have put a picture up here, but I didn't want to be self-serving. But I guess I could have if I wanted to. Um, so a couple, few weeks ago, Linda and I went to ne- uh, Knoxville where my son and my daughter-in-law lives with our grandchild. And we're walking around in Knoxville and we, I'm, just, I'm kind of standing back and there's my son and his wife and their child. And my, bro- my other son was there with him too, with us too, which is really kind of cool because he got the time off. And my wife. And I kind of stood back and I kind of went, I was telling somebody this um, earlier this morning, I kind of went, my heart is full. Now that sounds kind of weird until you're a grandparent. Once you be a grandparent, you're like, I get it. I get it because you kind of go, I have a legacy. And it's not just a legacy of stuff or people. It's a legacy that goes, they're raising children to be godly children. That's the legacy we're talking about. We're not talking about legacy stuff, even though in just a moment we're going to talk about uh, the legacy of Elimelech stuff. We're talking about spiritual heritage, a spiritual legacy. Kind of what are you leaving for your kids spiritually? which is more important than anything monetarily could be. So go on to chapter 4. I'm just going to kind of go through this. I won't read the whole thing. Um, But first, verses 1 through 12, Boaz goes to the city gate. He gets some leaders in the city gate. He sees the closest relative that actually can redeem um, Ruth and the property of Naomi and says, I need to talk to you. Come here. The guy turns to him, talks to him. He says, you're the closest relative. He goes, I want to give you the chance to redeem Naomi Elimelech's property. And the guy goes, I'll do it. I'll take the property. I'm good. And Boaz goes, that's great. With the property comes Ruth. And then the guy goes, whoa, I I can't do it now. He goes, because it'll ruin my other inheritance. I'm not sure why it would ruin his other inheritance, but he said it. So he wants all the land, but he didn't want to have um, Naomi's line through Ruth and Elimelech to be continued. So he says, I'm not going to redeem that. You redeem it. So Boaz says, I'll redeem it. I'll redeem it with Ruth, with all the rights and privileges that, that comes. So in verse 13, after they've redeemed this, the guy with the, the guy, this close redeemer actually gives him his shoe. So next time you're going to close on a house, right, walk in with a shoe and say, I'm just going to give you my shoe for my house. See what they say. Maybe not. I thought that'd be funnier. Anyway, so verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He went to her and the, child, and the Lord enabled her to conceive and gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. And then verse 16. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. The neighborhood women gave him the name, saying, The son has been born to Naomi. They gave him the name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David legacy. First of all, you're going to let your neighbors name your child? Just saying. 
Not sure why that happened, but it was there. It's in scripture. It must be a good thing. Anyway, I love the fact that God's legacy comes through a, a people that should not have ever been together. If you look at the, the laws, Israelite laws, the Moabites should never have married Israelites. Shouldn't have happened. But it did. And God used that to bring about the legacy of David the king and down the road, Jesus Christ. I love it. I love that God uses everybody for his glory. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But it is as is written, What eye has not seen and ear did not hear, and what never entered the human mind, God prepared for those who love him. We don't understand what's going on, but God knows and understands. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. They encountered various trials. When you encounter various trials, what are you going to say? Thank you, Jesus. Right? Yeah? How many of us do that? Yeah. We're supposed to consider joy is what it says. When you encounter trials... Because knowing the test of your faith will produce endurance. Let that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, it's not easy. It's not easy in the midst of all your junk to go, yay God. But somehow through that stuff, God's working out good things. Right, so... Back in, they're back in Moab, right? They're back in Moab going, oh, there's a famine. Oh, my husband died. Oh, my kids have died. She's not thinking to herself, man, this is going to be great for God's glory. I guarantee she's not thinking that. Because it's hard. That's where families come involved. That's where a family like ours comes involved and keeps us on the right track, helps us through these hard times. Your, your biological family, your church family going, okay, I know this is hard. But you can get through this. I know this is really terrible, but I know you can get through this. Because on the other side, Psalm 23 says, Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to walk through something. We're all going to walk through something. But on the other side, God's there, God's in the middle, God's at the beginning. I know a, a rough time years ago, just in high school in general, and my mom was there, right? And she'd hold me, literally hold me. Uh, she can't do that anymore. When I was in college <clears throat> the first time, when I was in the Navy and then college the second time, my wife, my mom couldn't really hold me. But you know who can? The Holy Spirit. Your faith family, your family that's near you, they can comfort us. They can comfort us in all the different things we're going through. Romans 8, 28, we all know this. For know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God used what was going on in Ruth and Noah's life for, the, for good. Called according to their purpose. But that doesn't mean it was easy. 
Now, I wouldn't say that if, if you're going to someone that's having a hard time and things are going rough, enough, I wouldn't say, hey, hey Romans 8.28. You'll be good, Romans 8.28. You'll be good, Romans 8.28. You might get punched in the face because it's not good right then. It's, it's hard right then, isn't it? It's hard to lose a loved one. It's hard to lose a job. It's hard for people not to like you because you're a Christian at work. I get all that. But God will work together for the good, for his purpose. So we need to preach this to ourselves before these bad things happen. So that way when things happen in our life, you just go talk to someone. You just go, we call it the ministry of presence. You're just there. Just there. Sometimes you need to say things, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just sit with somebody. Can I get you a glass of water? Have you eaten? You're comfort to those people. So as we see how God's wonderful, wonderful legacy is, there's hope. There's hope in everything that we do. There's hope that as we even, excuse my language, even if we screw up our lives, there's hope that God can help put us back together and go forward. If you have children today that aren't living the way you would think they should be living, there's hope. There's hope not in maybe us helping them, but hope in God helping them. Hoping, listen, my dad's not a Christian. I pray all, all the time that, my, that someone comes and talks to my dad because my dad's done talking to me about it. He didn't listen to me anymore. But I'm hoping that someone else can talk to my dad, right? Someone that's more in line than he is. But there's hope. There's never a time beginning, middle, or end of the stuff we're going through that there's not hope. So use this, it, I would just, if you, got, if you get a chance sometime the next couple days, read the whole book. It will literally take you less than a half hour to read all four chapters of Ruth. It's a really great book. Or listen to it on your way home today. I listened to it on the way in. I, I was 20, 25 minutes away. I was done way before I got here. Just listen to it again. It's really cool to listen to the Bible on, uh, on the radio. So God is good all the stinking time. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful as we just look at this, this journey in, a legacy, in legacy that you gave to Naomi through Ruth, Boaz, through David. Father, I just thank you that you are there for us. You're there for us, Lord. You love us with an unconditional love. You love us so much that you sent your son Through him, we might be saved. You are an incredible, incredible father. Lord, I thank you for each mother here. I'll, I'll just thank you for all the ladies, Father. Ladies are special beings that you created in a special way. And I thank you for how you created each and every one. Lord, I ask that today, if there's someone that has never put their, given their life to you, that today's the day. They can see one of us after church, see somebody that they can pray with. Lord, if there's someone that is maybe going through a hard time, that they just turn to you. And Lord, if, as we want to be used by you, Father, help us to open up our spiritual eyes that we can see those around us that may be hurting, that we can reach out to them 
and help them to get to know Jesus, where we live, work, and play. So we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for just giving us a place to worship, Father, as we, we come and give back to you what is already yours. We thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to be generous. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.